0: You're listening to The Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. Holy Father, we come before you with great praise and expectation and also conviction, also confession, that we have not loved you with our whole self and we have not loved our neighbor as ourself, would you help us in this time to draw close to you? Because you are the source of life. You have the words of life. So would, as they are spoken, would your spirit use them to mold us, to shape us, to grow us, to heal us. And we will give you praise and thanks saying these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. (music) That's way too cool for me, and I have not commented it on one time, because I usually like to comment it all the time. So I'm just this is my first and last time of commenting on how cool that music is. <laughs> it does not match my physical persona at all, but it slaps. It's good. It's a banger. Uh, we. As always, if you have any questions or comments throughout today's message, feel free to send them. I would love to make this as much of a dialogue as possible. I'm pulling that app up now in case I can see any that come through. Love to make this two-way communication uh, as much as possible so that we can not just be spoke at for 30 minutes, but really engage, invest get into it. So that's the number. It'll be on the bottom of the screen, almost every slide, and uh, it's also in your bulletins. Feel free to send us a text. We're doing a series, last one, on parables. We're doing one on parables. If you don't know what parables are, parables are the earthly stories that help us understand heavenly realities. Jesus is telling us stories that have earthly themes, um, but they help us understand heavenly realities, and, and that is If not important for the whole series, it is definitely important for today. Jesus is going to tell us about a heavenly reality that he wants to see become an earthly reality. I always talk about the bad news, which is typoed as badness today, but you get it. It's the badness, (laughs) bad news today. And the reason we do bad news first is because I think if we can better understand the bad news that we all face, then we can better receive the good news of the gospel that Jesus has for us. And part of the bad news is that I think because of the fall, because Adam and Eve disobeyed, you are in your fallen state hardwired to notice the negatives. In fact, psychology has a a whole thing for this, a whole phenomenon called this. It's hard to see, but they call it the negativity bias. You have a negativity bias, which means that all things being equal, if you had an equally good and equally bad going on at the same time emotionally or just something outside of you, you are going to remember and focus on, largely because of your human nature, on the bad stuff. They say even though humans have three to two more positive experiences during the day, they usually let the bad stuff overwhelm them. And the way that I always frame this is say you're eight years old and it's the best birthday of your life and you get to go to Disneyland... Wouldn't that be lovely, eight years old going to Disneyland and on the way out of the park you break your arm? You're going to be like, oh, that was the birthday I broke my arm, right? Not the birthday you went to Disneyland. Do you guys remember my eighth birthday when I broke my arm? That's negativity bias, even though it was the greatest day of your life. Cotton can, whatever, roller coasters. It's the birthday you broke your arm man. Because we're, we, we just have that a part of our human nature, that we focus on the negative. And today, Jesus wants to talk to us about finding joy, being a part of the Father's joy, being found and lost and celebrating. There's a, a, a famous kind of theologian. More, He's more a sociologist. He's a, his name's Tony Campolo, and he wrote a book called The Kingdom of God is a Party. And that's what we're talking about today. The kingdom of God, Jesus wants you to know, is about joy. It's about celebration about togetherness. We are going to read a lot of Jesus today. Uh, This is the eighth of a series on the parables, and I saved Luke's most famous parables for the end. It's a whole chapter, though. Sometimes we miss out on the entire meaning of what Jesus is saying because we focus on one parable, but if you want to turn with me to the entire chapter of Luke 15, it begins on 797, his most famous parables in the book of Luke, at least... In my opinion, 797, or Matthew, Mark, the last third of your Bible here. It's going to begin, this whole two verses is the setup for the whole parable. Jesus has been arguing with the religious leaders known as the Pharisees. And when the Pharisees and the scribes get together, they're extra problematic. They're extra challenging to Jesus. They're extra upset with the ways that he behaves himself. Because a good rabbi shouldn't be doing the things that Jesus is doing according to them. And so verses 1 and 2 gives you the whole setup. And then Jesus gives you a set of three parables that explains to them what he's doing so on the bottom, it says 15. All the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around Jesus to listen to him. All of them hanging out with Jesus. The Pharisees and the legal experts were grumbling, saying, this man Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. And that is so scandalous in this time. So Jesus tells them a series of three parables. Suppose someone among you had a hundred sheep and he lost one. Wouldn't he leave the 99 in the pasture and search for the lost one until he finds it? And when he finds it, he is thrilled and places it on his shoulders. And when he arrives home, he calls together his neighbors, saying to them, Celebrate with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner changes both heart and life than over 99 righteous people who have no need to change their life. Before we read the other two parables, I want you to see the theme that's going on. There's lostness, there's foundness, there's gathering together, there's joy, there's sinners, there is repentance, changing of heart and life. Let's go on. To the woman, which is again scandalous, That Jesus would equate God with a woman, a poor widow, looking for her life savings about a week and a half's worth of money, starting in eight. Or what woman, if she owns ten silver coins and loses one of them, won't light a lamp and sweep the house, searching her home carefully until she finds it? When she finds it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, celebrate with me, because I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, Joy breaks out in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who changes both heart and life. And now Jesus, probably his most famous parable in Luke. Jesus said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger son said to the father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Then the father divided his estate between them. Soon after, the younger son gathered everything together, and he took a trip to a land far away. And there he wasted his wealth through extravagant living. When he used up his resources, a severe food shortage arose in the country, and he began to be in need. He hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And every Jewish person reading this now is completely grossed out because pigs are unclean animals, and yet here he is feeding pigs. This, young, this son longed to eat his fill from what the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food, but I'm starving to death? I will get up and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Would you please consider taking me on as one of your slaves? So he got up and he went to his father. And while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion. And his father ran to him and hugged him and kissed him. And then his son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. And I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quickly, bring the best robe and put it on. And put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Fetch the fat and calf, slaughtered it. We must, we must celebrate with feasting because the son of mine was dead and has come back to life he has was lost and is found and they began to celebrate but the older brother is mad Jesus is looking right at the Pharisees right now as he says this last part now the older son was in the field coming in from the field he approached the house and he heard music and dancing he called one of the servants and asked what was going on. And the servant replied, Your brother has arrived. And your father slaughtered the fattened calf because he received his son back safe and sound. And the older son was furious and didn't want to enter in. But his father scandalously leaves the party that he's hosting and comes out and he begs his son. And the father ans- he answered his father, Look, I have served you all these years. I've never disobeyed your instruction, yet you've never given me as much as a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours returned after gobbling up your estate on prostitutes, you slaughtered the fat and calf for him. Then his father said, "Son, you are always with me. And, son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours." But we had to celebrate. We had to, and we had to be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is now alive. He was lost and now he's found. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Long chapter. Thank you for going through that with me. Jesus is sitting with sinners tax collectors, the outcasts of his society, and the religious leaders show up, and they grumble against him like the Israelites grumbling in the desert against Moses, and Jesus tells them these three stories about what God is up to. As always, when I preach, I preach head, heart, hands, something for us to know, feel, and do, because I think we need to have a holistic faith that moves to us, through us, and out into the world. And so I always ask the questions, what does God want us to know, feel, and do? And that's my first question every time. And for me, when I read all three of these in the context of the Pharisees and the sinners and the tax collectors, what Jesus wants you to know is that the Father's heart bleeds for you. Men in this society did not run. And they definitely didn't run to sons who shamed them And yet Jesus ends this three parable series with a father who sees his son from far off and runs, and runs to his son, does not even let him finish his speech, has compassion on him, wraps his arms around his neck, and puts all the clothes and rings of family significance on him. The father's heart has compassion for you, bleeds for you. They're grumbling, about Jesus extending compassion to broken and hurting people, and Jesus is making an argument about how valuable we are. And one of the ways you see that in all three parables is he does it with numbers. First, it's one out of a hundred. A wealthy shepherd. One is missing. Of course he would go find the shepherd. Then it's one out of ten. This woman, it's about a week's and a half worth of savings. But she lost it. It's dear to her. And then it's one out of two sons. Jesus is saying to those grumbling against him that these people are my sheep, they're my treasure, they're my children. How dare you grumble against what God is doing by me hanging out with people just because you've ostracized them doesn't mean God ostracized them. In fact, God values them very deeply like children, like treasure, like a woman willing to clean up the whole house just to find that one like a shepherd willing to leave all the sheep to find that one, like a father willing to shun all of his social responsibilities so that he can welcome his son back. We are so valuable to him. He fights to find us. Jesus fights to find He came to seek those who are lost. And Jesus doesn't lose everything forever we love this kind of story not only is that one of the most famous pair I mean everybody knows prodigal son prodigal son is a is a phrase that's used in our culture but we love stories about parents going to find their kids it's baked into us look I don't know why he's smiling he just lost his son but I guess they got to reel you in somehow right or Liam Neeson with his I've got a particular set of skills when his daughter's taken, that's the movie, is called Taken, and he just mounts up and goes and gets his kids back. Weird one on the list, I know, but if you've ever seen The Forgotten, she's like, I think I used to have kids, and everybody was like, you didn't. She's like, I think I did. It turns out it was Aliens that erased her memory and took her kids. Weird movie. Spoiler alert, it was (laughs) The Aliens. But like, the point of the movie is that like, Deep down in her bones, parents know, even when, like, the weirdest stuff happens, parents know. You hear that cry, you know, you just, you know your people, you know what's going on. We love stories about parents seeking after their children. This is my little guy. I lost him twice. Twice! Uh, One was um, at this park in Seattle, This wasn't one of those times where, like, I'm sitting down on my phone, and I'm like, I just turned my head for 30 seconds. It wasn't like that. I was walking behind him. I had a baby. Junior was brand new. I was taking my son. Aaron was with us, and he was running up the hill, and we were just following behind him, and then he was getting a little bit further and a little bit further away, and you can't see it. This is a park in Seattle. That looks like my little guy, except I don't have that dog. I was like, how'd they get a picture of us? But there's a bathroom back there, and he ran up the hill and turned right at the bathroom, and then I was... 25 steps behind him and I got to the bathroom and I turned right and I couldn't find him. And you know, your heart sinks and but then that adrenaline elevates and you just start looking and you just start looking and then you start looking and then you're like, don't freak out and then you start getting louder and then you start getting louder and now Aaron's running to other human beings at this park and be like, have you seen my son? Just beside herself. No one could find her. It's going on two, three, four minutes, and every minute feels like an eternity. And he's just playing on this little, this thing. By the way, in Seattle, you're like, those progressives up there, they got these death traps still. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he, that's his favorite toy, and he was like, that's where he was. I don't know, I was right there. I was right there. I don't know what happened. It was like a glitch in the matrix. The other time I lost him was this gate right here. He was out playing in the sandbox, and we were talking to some friends, and we'd locked all the gates, but someone had come through. This was at my in-law's house, and they took the lock off the gate to get through with a wheelbarrow, and they forgot to put the lock back on, and he wandered off. We couldn't find him, and it was winter time. and we started. The same thing started happening again, except to the point where this time we had to call the police. And then a neighbor found him playing on a swing three neighbors down and he came back and it was so joyous and then, um, I don't know if you know, but if you call the police about a child being missing, CPS comes and so CPS was like, knock, 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 hello. I didn't even care because I had my son back, right? Like I didn't care that I could be in very big trouble. because my son was back in my arms. And they were very understanding and very cool. But so scary to lose your kids. I'm sure lots of you have stories like that. I haven't lost any other kids. It must have just been this one back there hiding. <laughs> just a runner. My baby, my first one. Lost him twice to the point where I felt like it, I just would wanted to die on the spot. Right, Jesus looks into the eyes of those religious elite, and he declares our value, not as people worthy to be shunned and redeemed and judged and ostracized, but people that should be beloved like sheep of a shepherd's pasture, like treasure, like children to God the Father. Jesus is fighting to find you and to keep finding you because his heart bleeds for you. That's what I think God, Jesus wants you to know today. What does Jesus want you to feel then in your heart? Well, because Jesus is so good at hide and seek, he always finds. And when he finds, the story says, joy. You're invited to join the joy of Jesus. You're invited to join in. Two times, shepherd, coin. When they find it, they say, celebrate with me because what I have lost, I have now found They gather their friends, their neighbors, and Jesus says in both those instances, in the same way, when sinners come back, when they are found and they repent, joy breaks out in heaven and amongst the angels. Over one, over one person who repents, all of heaven celebrates. I think this is a really important point here. Jesus isn't eating with them To convert them, he's eating with them because he found them already. Them eating with him is his declaration that they have been found and that they are on the path to being reconciled to the Father. Sometimes as evangelicals, which I love it because we want to tell people the good news. That's what evangelical means. Whatever the news tells you, evangelical means we love to tell people about the good news. And we should tell people about the good news. But sometimes we read this and we go, yeah, Jesus is eating with sinners because he wants to convert them. And Jesus is declaring in these... Parables that they've been found. He's found them. And these meals that the experts are grumbling against, right? These meals aren't meals of conversion. They're meals of celebration. His response to their grumbling is that I found my children. This is a celebration. Join in my joy. Hey, you religious leaders, are you going to focus on the negative or are you going to join the joy of heaven and celebrate right now? Uh, because Jesus is building a community of kingdom people that celebrate. And he wants that to be marked with joy. It reminded me of this reunion video that I saw last month. There's a little kid who had to move away from class, and he got to go back. And it's just one of those tear-jerker moves. I almost showed you a bunch of those videos where like military people surprise people, but I didn't want to cry in front of you all. But here's a little kid who rejoins the people that he had lost. Today here,
1: America Strong, the pre-K class, and their most important lesson of all, the power of friendship. Tonight in Brooksville, Florida, one little boy and his surprise. Kaysen Johns is five years old. He was a student at Chakachati Elementary School before moving with his family several hours away. But his friends, his entire classroom was never the same, and they never forgot about their friend Kaysen. And at the end of the school year, the teachers had an idea. What if Kaysen could return to that classroom for his friends? And this is the moment the kindergartners, making it to the end of their school year, got to see their friend again. That friend Roman running first, and the embrace. One by one, hugging Kaysen. Right here tonight.
0: Hi there, my name is Kaysen.
1: Kaysen. and his mom, Christy, on the surprise and the sweet reunion.
0: The house was so cozy. I get to see all of
1: my friends. Being there and seeing it live, up close and personal, was definitely worth it to see my kid being greeted in such a loving way. Kayson and his surprise hugging his friends one by one.
0: That's it. That's the sermon. Jesus is like, you see what's happening? You're grumbling. I found them. The people you kicked out, I found them, and I'm eating with them because we're doing what heaven has always wanted us to do, which create a community of people. And when we find each other and we love each other the way that Jesus showed us, there's so much joy. And Jesus asks us to join in that joy of finding lost people. This is my favorite commentary on the book of Philippians, which has a lot of joy. And uh, this is a scholar. And in that book, he says, joy is not an optional benefit of the Christian life. Joy is essential to what Jesus is up to, and Jesus is inviting you into that. Even the Pope says, joy is the air Christians breathe. Jesus is inviting us into the joy, but the joy comes from him finding the lost Sheep, the lost child, the lost coin. Eating with them was not only a revolutionary act of affirming that they are valuable, but Jesus declares that these meals are feasts of reconciliation, forgiveness, and repentance of being lost and being found and being back together with the Father. What do we do then? What do we do? There's so much we can do. This is such a long passage. But continuing on that theme, I think Jesus is emphasizing to us over and over again, about six or ten times, depending on how you count, joy has to be shared. Joy is not something that you just get to have and hold on to. In fact, it multiplies when you share it. I see this in this passage over and over again. When the shepherd arrives home, he calls together all his friends and family. He says, Come celebrate with me. Come, this is what you got to do. When the woman finds her coin, she calls her friends and neighbors and she says, Come celebrate me. You have to. When the father finds his son, when the son comes home, when the lost are found, this is not just something that he wants to do, it is a divine necessity. God requires it of him. We must celebrate with feasting. We must. We have to celebrate and to be glad because the lost was found. The dead have come back to life. If you want Jesus' joy, part of the way that you get it is that you got to share it. You have to share in what Jesus is doing. By calling together, by inviting, by celebrating, it is a requirement of the kingdom because the kingdom of God is a party. But also... Because one of the rules that Jesus wants to lay out for us, and I don't mean rule like a a thing you have to follow, but one of the ways that he wants to teach us about heaven is that what happens in heaven, we desire to happen here on earth. That's why we pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What we know happens in heaven, we want to replicate it here on earth. It's It's a thing that happens. And so Jesus tells us over and over again here that when sinners are found. Heaven celebrates. And so Jesus reveals to us in these parables that because heaven is celebrating, earth should celebrate. When God's angels celebrate, God's people should celebrate too. If heaven celebrates over this, then we must, not much, must celebrate, as the Father says in the parable of the prodigal son. We must. It's an impediment, it's a requirement. You have to party. I'm sorry. That's the rule. Because joy is incomplete when it's unshared. And I'm going to give you a little Jamesism right here. This is something that I feel like the Holy Spirit has revealed to me, and I'm going to show it to you, and I hope it's compelling to you. But joy is incomplete when it's unshared. You want what Jesus has for you, you want full and complete joy. You have to share it. I got three verses for you to prove it to you. John 15, Jesus says, Jesus says, I've said these things to you so that my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. Play ra oh. Fulfill, full, filled to full and overflowing. How do we get complete joy? This is my commandment, love one another. It's togetherness. It's finding each other. It's celebrating with one another. Paul says it in Philippians 2. I told you that it was a joy book. He says, complete my joy. How do we complete Paul's joy? By thinking the same way, having the same love, being united and agreeing with each other. Don't do anything out of selfish purposes. Last one, 1 John 3 and 4. 1 John 1, 3 and 4. What we have seen and heard, we also announce it to you so that you can have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy, so that, yeah, our joy can be complete. Complete joy. These are the three times in Scripture we have that phrase. Kara, play ra'o. Complete joy. And every single time, it's about togetherness. It's about loving one another. It's about being united together with Paul. It's about fellowship with the apostles and together. Jesus is giving us a a divine reality in this, that if you want to have joy, if you want to join in Jesus' joy, it requires us to share that with the people around us, that your joy is incomplete when it is unshared. Joy is complete when shared with community. We have scientific evidence to kind of back this up. This is a study at a BYU. And it says, if you share your good news, your joy multiplies. I know, seems intuitive, but they studied it anyways. And they said, write down all the stuff that's good going on in your life and then share it with somebody. And they said, guess what? If you share it with somebody who gets excited for you, your joy multiplies even more. I'll read the last line. Life satisfaction reaches a peak only when participants share their positive experiences and the relationship partner that they shared it to provides an active response. Sharing your joy multiplies it. Sharing your joy multiplies it. The only time I remember my grandfather on my dad's side coming to my house, the only time he ever came to my house was to drive over his 1996 Nissan pickup. He's like, it was the, he's like this is the first brand new car I've ever... Wanted to come share his joy. Only time he came to my house, share my joy. I'll never forget that truck. It smelled like coffee and cigarettes. <laughs> Dude was drinking coffee at like 7 o'clock at night. Thermos this big, 115 degrees outside. He was just like, I'm like, what? do you need that much coffee? Apparently. Uh, this is a picture from when Aaron and I got engaged. January 03, 2004, we got engaged on New Year's Day. Uh, we were all of 18 years old. <laughs> but I had been making some good decisions in my life, and I was kind of the golden child of my family. Not hard to be like just a completely normal person, and everyone was like, he's doing great. <laughs> Aaron's family was doing well. I, the, we're different sides of the track kind of people. So I was very nervous to kind of let her family know that I asked, to mar- asked her to marry me. Her dad knew. I took him to a fine meal at Taco Bell, and I asked him if I could betroth his daughter, and he said yes. Um, but we had to tell our joy, and I was nervous about telling your family, because people had lots of hopes and dreams. For Aaron, my family's hopes and dreams was that I would not go to jail again. I was like, I think I could do that. So we started telling people, we told Aaron's family, and they were overjoyed for us. I was so nervous, and they could not have been more excited for us. I told my family, my mess of family, and they were like, sheesh, 18? My uncle said, do you even have any money? And I was like, no, really. <laughs> and he was like, did you want me to donate paper plates? I'll never forget him saying that. I was like, man, come on. My family was like, what's happening?" They were not celebrating with us at all. all. Every single one of them, whose lives were a wreck, could not be joyful for us at all. But Aaron's family, things going relatively well, could not wait to celebrate with us. And everyone wonders why I've invested in their family so much. They were the ones to bring us in and welcome us and champion us and help us set up a new life together with the person that I loved. And sharing that joy with me multiplied my joy, and it multiplied my relationships with them. Finding Jesus' people to share joy with like Jesus does, this is how we complete our joy. It gets complete, the joy that Jesus has for you when we share it with one another. But community's hard. And again, remember, you're hardwired to focus on negativity, and there's going to be a lot of times where you don't want to, but Jesus is encouraging you to find good community. Questions, comments? criticisms, concerns, challenges, hearing none. Here's my summary. I went long today, y'all. Jesus is God's mission. Jesus is God's mission to find you. The Father is running after you to declare your value and to bring you home. The encouragement is to turn towards him now and every day. And when found, Jesus invites us into his joy but by inviting us into his joy, that joy becomes complete when we share it in Jesus' community, when we prioritize the Jesus people around us who are also celebrating the things that heaven celebrates. And with that, would you pray with me? Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. That in your Son, you have descended to us to come after us. It is now not some mystery about where you are and what you're up to, but you have revealed yourself most fully in your son, who though he was rich, became poor for our sake, that in debasing himself, he would find us and bring us home. Thank you. Help us to live into that. And for those of us who don't know that good truth, those of us who are feeling compelled by it today, would you help us to turn to the Father? That we would change our hearts and lives. That we would ask to be found. That we, like sheep who have gone astray, would be hoisted on Jesus' shoulders and brought back to the fold. Help us. Help us. And those of us who know the love of the Father and the compassion that you have for us, Would you help us to live that life of joy? Would that be our witness to the world? Joyful, loving people who know that we were lost and who declare that we've been found. We will give you all thanks and praise. Table Church, will you help me finish this prayer by saying the Lord's Prayer? Saying, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come.